Hello everyone, this is the Audience Explorer, a podcast for you as a founder or creator who wants to develop an audience for your product or service. I'm Matthias Bohlen. Hello dear listeners, this is another episode of the Audience Explorer podcast. Today I'm happy to have Nesha Mutuki with me. Hello, Nesha. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, Nesha is a founder of an interesting startup. We'll talk about that soon and I welcome her here today. Nesha, tell us a little bit about yourself so that our listeners can, can get to know you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Nesha and I currently live in Florida uh, mm -hmm. on the Atlantic side. And I've been working on Twally for almost a year now. We came up to our year in November. I actually founded Twally when I was in university. So I went to school in Florida and I was a part of their entrepreneurship program. Mm. And I was really able to search out a lot of different ideas. And I'm not gonna lie, first ones were pretty bad. Um, <laughs> And they, but they slowly evolved into fitting my niche. The first start product I started out with was a tangible product, um, a re removable, washable backpack liner because I saw that college students' uh, backpacks looked horrible, um, including okay. mine. I wanted to find a way to deal with it. And then as I started working on the product, I realized I hate all things supply chain. I hate um, product sourcing. I hate working with materials, all uh, that type yeah. of thing. And so I kind of went back into my more cognitive science, uh, computational science background, and I came up with my next idea, um, which was MET. Um, and that was all about paying people with equity when you want work done to be at your startup. And I was scared of the legal issues that might come up, but it was a really awesome entrance into the world of creating digital services or digital mm -hmm. tools for people and then that's kind of when Swally came around and I was the whole the whole concept for being like a tech entrepreneur was so not anything I'd ever thought I was going to do I thought I was going to become a ballerina at one of the big five companies in the world and you know pursue arts for the rest of my life so it definitely was a unique path uh for sure to to get into the world of tech entrepreneurship. So I'm, I'm just as uh, shocked I'm here. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a background in, in tech, some kind of uh, um, uh, software engineering or what? Yeah, so I, by background, I could say a couple of classes when I was in college because my I had three associates degrees. One of them was in quantitative reasoning and then social science and psychology. Uh -huh. So it's kind of bringing that like behavioral science to tech. Um, and I was hoping to get into like machine learning or AI or something as I pursued my degree. Um, and I had a little bit of an entrance to that. But then when I transferred over to finish the rest of my schooling, I just really felt like I need to get a business degree. I just felt like this needs to happen. And if you don't, you're going to regret it. Um, and I did. And so my my background in tech is very slight. And a lot of the things I've really really learned have been through youtube university through twitter through talking to people uh, yeah. through my network and so i haven't yeah it's not like i like 10 years at, at google um under my belt unfortunately but yeah it's been it's been fun nonetheless that's nice quantitative reasoning what what does that mean yeah so that's a pretty much the degree meant you're gonna take a lot of calculus and computer science like that's yeah. really what that degree path was um But it's also not, it's not just calculus and comp, like you go into like a physics program or typical mathematics program, but it was also like, what's your statistical reasoning at? Like, how can you like, cr like create logic pathways um, mm -hmm. to figure out different situations? So more like for um, actual solving issues with computer science, like not just like front end development where you're like, I want it to look this certain way, but actually like, how can you think logically about solving an issue um, using computers um and so that's really what i was getting interested in i'm not gonna lie it was it was hard though i uh, definitely cried a of couple course. of times <laughs> of <course. laughs> it was a tough program but yeah i had some basic statistics classes in my in my studies when i was at the university and it was terrible i, I was terrible at it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these concepts really of... like statistics or like algebra-based um math i've noticed because yeah. statistics is a lot of words um 
and it can get people jumbled up really easily or they're really good at like calculus and like let me just think in a linear way it's all based on the same fundamentals you know yeah yeah Great. And behavioral science, this will, uh, these two, I think, will be an excellent basis for, for your startup work. Yeah. Are you alone in your, in your newly founded company or are you a team? I am super thankful to have a team. So I actually came oh, up with the great. idea when I was on my way to be a host at a seafood place. Um, and I was like, you know, I get paid random amounts every single time I get paid because I work different hours because I pick up shifts sometimes and I was like I just want all my money to be instantly categorized from the amount that I'm actually making not based mm. on this like stunning perfect two thousand dollars bi-weekly kind of you know budgets not a lot of people nowadays and so I had that idea I brought it home I started chatting about it with my family and my my brother is like you know, we should add this, 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 this. And I was like, well, you can become a you know co-founder if you really like, want to <laughs> do this. And so he did. Um, and then we pitched for our university's computer science department and they chose us um, to develop an MVP, uh, minimum viable product for us yeah. and kind of proving our concept. Um, and now I have a CTO from that whole track and also a senior backend developer that joined us from that as well and then we also have some interns on the finance and marketing side as well so there's a total of six of us now oh boy that's fantastic such a yeah. such a great start at for the beginning with so many people interesting yeah it's it's handy i mean we're all but it's hard because it's a, we're all like part-time or we're you know working and also trying to pay our bills at the same time so it's not like six full-time people which would yeah, be sure. awesome right it's the next step in the in the process so cool uh, so uh, you talked about swally about this wallet application what what does it do exactly how, how yeah, can we imagine absolutely. imagine that yeah so at first it became like that oh i wish things were categorized better based on what i earned and like automatically from every deposit money was categorized but as we started building it we realized that the real pain point for people was that they had really good intentions of how they were going to spend and then those intentions did not match up with their actual spending so they're oh. like i'm gonna mm -hmm. save money this week and then they go out and they're like i did not save money this week <laughs> and so we were like okay we need to try and find some way for people to be able to like change their behavior around this and so what we added was we tell you exactly what you can spend exactly where you are so if you'd walk into starbucks you'd look down at your phone like you can spend 15 dollars here and to stay in budget so you're telling them right before they're about to make a decision hey watch yourself you know your food budget is dwindling and then at post purchase whether they stayed on budget or not they would get either a green check mark or a, a red x um stating that um you mm. spent wisely or maybe try it better next time um and so that's like the fundamental logic of the app is giving people rewards uh for for doing what they said they were going to do because if you mm. if you ever read like atomic habits or anything like that yeah, you yeah. can find really easy ways and you have to reward yourself for even like waking up 10 minutes earlier and you're like well that's dumb i should have done that anyways but creating new habits need to be rewarded at first and then it becomes automatic. So that's really the whole, that's kind of the psychology behind the app. Interesting. So uh, to for the app to know the budget and for the app to know the place where you are, for let's let's say uh, Starbucks, uh, there's yeah. a there has to be some preparation, right? Do I have to put Absolutely. in my, my budget, budget into the application first? Well, so we take all your financial data in from your spending history and we try and do as good of a job as we can considering, you know, we have, you know, limited information. We only have your bank account. So we, we don't have access to your like cash app or Venmo, but we do know on average, like what you're spending. And so we ah, take so all I connect that, to my bank account first. Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh -huh, and so okay. we take all that information. We get around like 24 months of data in and then we like in our beta version, we're going to suggest numbers to you of like what you're spending, but then you can change it if we're wrong because, you know, our mm. logic's still pretty new. Um, but it'll get to a point where like we can assess exactly what your budget should be based on how you're spending. And this is, again, that whole like intentions versus reality. So we noticed like a lot of Twitter threads went viral about budgeting because people were like, oh, yeah, like it must be easy to budget if you got a lot of money or, oh, yeah, it must be easy. But the thing is, I say I'm going to spend money on groceries and then I end up eating out way more than I spend money on groceries. 
I wish my budget just understood who I am as a person. And that's kind of where that logic comes in is, okay, so we're going to take, actually analyze who you are as a as a whole human being yeah not as your piece perfect numbers on a screen and say you you like to eat out more with your friends that's okay that's fine that's who you are that's your choice so let's make sure we can budget more towards this because it seems to be a highlight of your week and then let's take less into groceries so that way you're actually putting money where you want it to be um and budgeting for the human not not the ideal human Oh, so not for the person that people would like to be, but the person Eventually. that people really are, right? <laughs> that who they really, really are. And then what's really cool is like over time, you start making them into the person they want to be because you're like, hey, maybe we can take 5% and put it over here or 2% and put it over oh. here. Um, and over time, creating habits. Habits are never made overnight. They're made over time and they start with who you are today. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You're slowly improving from where you are. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, and how did you get your first uh, people who who knew about your application at all? You were building it, and and at some point in time, there must be some attention to to towards yeah. your app. How did that happen? Yeah. So we start. So we started um, completely in the dark, not knowing what we were doing, like most most founders do. Yeah. Sure. And <laughs> we start talking to our friends, you know, because like that's your validation. You're like, so yeah. you think this is a great idea too? Okay, we're both crazy. Awesome. Let's do it. And and your mom is like, this is the best thing I've ever heard of. And you're like, well, look, there's our validation. Like, let's build the app now, right? <laughs> um, and so it's, but it started there with like some pseudo validation. Um, but then we started pitching at competitions and, and we, we were um, finalists in one. We had, we won money at the Drape, uh, Tim Draper competition for women entrepreneurs. And mm -hmm. then uh, we won first place at Embry-Riddle Launcher Venture, which is a big school here in Florida. And then we got third place in Florida's Governor Cup. For, so started like actually getting some validation, like winning some money um, for our idea, getting really good feedback from the judges saying like, hey, this is actually kind of investable. Like this seems like a, a cool concept, a different spin on the typical budgeting apps that we keep on seeing out there. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of when we started like saying, yeah, this is like, this is a real thing. This is not just like an idea in our heads. Um, And at that time, we were building out the proof of concept. And then we really, then we completed that, started chatting with more people about it. Um, and similar to how I am now, it's like, here's the pitch. Do you, does it sound interesting to you? It sounds like something you would download. Because at, at this point, what we care about is downloads. Because as soon as we have a download, then we can um, figure out how to reduce churn. But if we have no one on, on, yeah, yeah. on the app, then we have no data. So like, would this convince you enough to, for you to download it. And they're like, absolutely, this sounds really cool. And I'm like, that's the first, <laughs> that's the first step. And then our waitlist um, group in there, um, we have over a hundred people now waiting to download our app. So yeah. Hmm, interesting. I, I wonder, um, th this question that you mentioned, would, would this make you download or would this be enough to, yeah. to make you download that? Um, do you think that, that people can correctly uh, judge their future behavior? So, I mean, not entirely, okay. um, but getting them to say something out loud is a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So, because then they're telling themselves what they wish they would do. So that's better than not knowing that they would do anything at all. So it's yeah, like a yeah. step. Um, and number two is actually having a conversation rather than just sending them an email is super helpful because they're now not just really connected to to an app or a service by a strange person, but they're my friend now. And yeah. so they care about my success um, and they want to help me out too, which is like a little like, you know, underhanded, I guess. <laughs> You're like, yeah, they're my friends. They're going to help me. Um, but it actually is a really valuable way. It's like building relationships with customers because now they care about the success of the app and they feel like they're a part of the building process, not just a, an end user that's being um, yelled at. And so it's actually a really yeah, great yeah. That's worked for us is getting people involved with the building process, especially when you're in beta mode. You want people that feel like they're building something, not just people who are using something too, because they can mm -hmm. give you better feedback. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I mean, there's some people and they'll give me like an email of feedback, like full on like stacks of feedback. And I'm like, that's exactly what we want to get from our first users um, as people who care about the process. Um, in the in, but in the long term. And the best way we've noticed uh, is just like landing page conversion is probably the best way. Like if they put their email in there, that's like half of the way there. And then when we give them an email, like 
that consumer can get lost in the cold email when we release the app saying, hey, the waitlist is like done. You can download the app now. That's only going to work so, so long. So then like what we're going to do is send them a personalized email like that. I'll write that says, hey, I remember chatting with you or thank you so much for your support. Not just like cold blast saying, hey, the waitlist yeah. is over. You have to really personalize things. And then at least you can get like a 70, 60-70% guarantee that they're going to download the app. So it's like a whole pro- <laughs> it's a whole process. <laughs> yeah. How does payment work when when people download the app? Does it mean uh, they have to pay immediately or they they have to subscribe to something or does it come along the way? Yeah, that, there you go. That's the last one. Um, it comes along the way because right now we're in beta. So I would actually just feel personal guilt about charging anybody for the use because, if you know, something happens, you know, first time we're releasing it to the public and I'm charging somebody, you know, five dollars a month to use it. I'd be like, yeah. oh, God feel horrible but in a and when we released our launch version which we're shooting for like december january um is releasing like all of like the edited version with all the feedback etc um then that is that's when we start charging and we kind of grandfather in our first users and say like hey you know we have to start charging this much but for you guys we'll give you this kind of perk or this kind of discount um, yeah, yeah. type of thing. And most of the people that are on our early wait list completely understand the process because um, they're more like on the early side tech adoption scale. So it's a little easier to, to be able to say things like that and then be okay with it. Hmm. Interesting approach. Um, don't you think that the very fact that you are building an app and make people think and, and make people aware of uh, their financial behavior um, related to money is already a value that you're giving? So I wouldn't be so yeah. so scared to charge for that there because you're already point. delivering something if yeah. not a working app, but but uh, delivering something. No, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, like, The reason why we didn't want to charge at first would be, well, number one, setting up that process is is it would take more time um, Mm -hmm. on our side Mm -hmm. um, and delay just the validation of the the app in itself. Yeah, that's Um, true. But we were also scared that we wouldn't get as many downloads or we wouldn't get as much like interaction Mm -hmm. um, with the app if they would have to pay. And the payment would add as friction for us getting valuable feedback. Because like right now we care less about money and more about feedback on the app. And right. so we were concerned that that would be friction. Now, for some people, it might not be. Um, and a lack of payment might be friction. They're like, oh, if this isn't worth paying for, I don't want to have it in the first place. But for a lot of people that we've interviewed, it's having a, a free something or the other for, you know, the first 100 to 500 people that are on the app, we're okay with the sacrifice of that. Um, mm-hmm. And then getting to that point where uh, in a couple months we grandfather them into a payment system when we actually have something that we we feel like took all their concerns and made it a workable um, solution. Okay, uh, so you would uh, add your app to the usual app stores, I think, and the app stores would provide the, the payment mechanism? Yeah, so I mean, it would be in-app payment. So like... Uh, it wouldn't just be like a, an app that you'd have to pay for outright because then you really never get downloads, but it would be more of like a subscription in the system yeah. um, that's around 3 to $5, which again, we have to do the testing process to find out what the the best value that we can offer for the best price for the user. Um, so it's a little bit more testing and validation that we have to do too, to just dis- discover exactly how much per month the service would be. Yeah. And those people uh, where you do the testing with to uh, to get validation or invalidation of your of your thoughts and ideas, um, how do they come to you? Is it all uh, for the from the wait list or is, uh, are there other sources where you meet people? Yeah, so I mean, I meet mo- most of the time I try and funnel them to our wait list so we can just manage everybody at the same yeah. time. Um, it's a lot easier for us. I mean, there's definitely some like random people are like, oh, I'd love to download it, you know, on Twitter or social media. And maybe they haven't gotten on the wait list yet, which is annoying because <laughs> then I have to like piece them together, you know, and try and find a way to make sure that they know about a release as well. Um, but yeah, mostly trying to try and funnel them into the wait list. Uh-huh. And is Twitter a source of, uh, of people for you? Are, are people massively? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, massively. So Twitter is a big, big way that we attract people because, you know, we can, um, and I, I've been slacking on our company's Twitter, but at least on my personal Twitter, I've been able to get into a lot of conversations of that I would have never been able to have and connections, not just even to investors, but to potential consumers and people that can give us feedback that's actually valuable. So yeah, yeah, it's without without Twitter, I think our wait list um, would be diminishing and not growing because because mm. there's such a excited population on Twitter for whatever the next thing is that they're willing to try out a lot of different things. Um, because if we didn't do that, it would have to it would have to really go through more like paid ads and paid this and paid that, and we can get stuff for free if we go a uh, social yeah. media route. Yeah, paid ads is a lot more expensive than the reach that, that you get on Twitter. Uh, if I click on my analytics button in, in, in the Twitter menu, um, I see my reach and I see the reach of the tweets. And I think uh, I would never achieve this with Google ads, yeah. for example. It's, uh, exactly. it's, it's each each click on a Google ad costs two or three dollars. So that's that's amazing um, what mm-hmm. you get for free yeah. here. Yeah, sure. Um, and when you when you finally get in touch with people, how do you prepare for this for these interviews that you have? Yeah. So as far as um, like with like investors or or uh, no, I mean with customers. When when you do uh, or prospects, they are not yet customers, but prospects. Yeah. Uh, how do you interview with them? How you do? How do you prepare for such an interview? I I don't as much so interview the person, but I just kind of become friends with them. So like okay. we just talk okay. about whatever they're building, um, and then we just start creating a relationship because I just valuably like I genuinely value that person um, yeah. because I think they're really interesting or they're wise or they they're considerate or kind or whatever it may be. Um, and so a lot of those people are just through conversation, then you start talking about your app eventually because they're, they're like, oh, so what do you do? You know, what are, what are you working on? And you can say, and then they're like, oh, well, let me know, you know, when this comes out or let me know. So uh, give me like your prototype link or give me this or this so I can give you feedback on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because most people on Twitter, especially in the startup economy, really want to help each other. Um, and so, but here's the thing. One thing that we do realize is there's a difference between the audience that wants to give you feedback and your eventual target audience. Because the audience that gives you feedback might be like really tech savvy, you know, trades in crypto every single day, like understands everything to do with mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. to stay digitally literate. And then your your target might be very much so not that. But yeah. these people will give you feedback. Those people need to see other people giving you feedback to give you feedback because they're like, I don't even know who you are. Why should I care? But then when you say, hey, we have this and this many users, that's when they start coming in. And so what we do is we try and categorize the data of, okay, well, this person is making this much money from this place at this, you know, they're in college or they're in, you know, whatever it is, school or however it be. And they are giving us this type of feedback. This is our, this seems like our target user because a lot of times like, also oh, who's your, who's your audience? Who's your target? Exactly. And like, well, you don't really know until you start releasing the app, um, until you start really figuring it out because in, in our case, because are, we have like a unlimited use kind of like how Coinbase is. It's like anybody can download Coinbase. Anybody can set up a crypto wallet if they want yeah, to. Yeah. Um, like anybody needs to know where they need to spend better in a, in a certain income range. But I know I even know people who make, you know, in stunning amounts of money a year and they're still this frugal and they're like, I want to know exactly what I can spend in this place because I want to keep most of my money in investments. So because we have such a big reach where we really figure out who our target is, is once we start getting traction and when we start analyzing the wait list, we start seeing which users have the highest engagement on the app because it's hard to because I've had people from college age making no money at all to people who are 65 and they're like i would love to use this app since i'm preparing for retirement whatever it is so it's a a really such a broad range yeah it's which which is hard when people are like so what's your tam and i'm like ah i'm like ah that's a difficult question to answer because 
it's not as simple. We've, we've had educators want to use this for their classrooms. We've had international individuals want to use this in their cities. And so it's like saying, okay, we're just going to reach, you know, this one person forever is hard. So we're like, it's okay. We're going to start with this one group, type of group of people. Yeah. And it, we're it's better go to focus. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, we're going to focus on more early adopters, tech people who can give us feedback on just the functionality of the app at first. People who are pro probably investors or have their own startups or, you know, people like you and I that, you know, are always have a growth mindset trying to grow because there's a lot of incentive mm -hmm. for them to do mm -hmm. something like this so they can save more, invest more, prepare more for whatever they're doing. Like we even have a category called side hustle, you know, because like that's something yeah. that they probably yeah. interested in putting their money into. So then we'll talk with those people, kind of like that Facebook method. Let's start with this tiny group of people first, and then we can see where it expands as we move on. Yeah. When, when you imagine um, such people in your audience, in, in this other audience that you say they don't give feed, they don't give you feedback at the moment. Um, yeah. If you really think about people uh, who want to spend wiser, whoever that may, might be, right? But they, they want to spend wiser. Um, do you get, uh, can you walk me through through one point in time where you really got contact with someone like that? Yeah, absolutely. So those are like really fun conversations too. Um, it's this uh, one couple and she was talking to me and they were, you know, I mean, middle upper class couple uh -huh. um, and they were preparing for retirement, if not retired already. Mm -hmm. um, And she's like, this would just be so helpful for me. And she really liked the instant categorization from every paycheck into the envelopes. And that was like the feature that really resounded with her. I remember talking to another woman. She was probably in her 40s, 50s. Um, and she's an impulse buyer, as actually most um, women in their 40s in America tend to mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. um, and so she was like, well, you know, what would really help me is just knowing how much to spend, you know, before I walk into a store because I go to Home Goods and I want to buy the entire place and just having a, a frame of reference in my mind, just knowing that would really help me cut down and just be, you know, feel like there's more accountability mm -hmm. for what I'm doing. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, and how, how, for example, uh, that's, I'm curious, yeah. how, how did you meet this woman? What, what so, was the situation? Yeah. One, uh, the first people I met at a baby shower and I just started talking to them um, about the concept. They did not know me. Um, and I was like, hi, <laughs> I am Nessa. Like, how are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? Um, and then another one, I was at the dentist and it was like a lady that was like, oh, shoot. She's like the assistant to my dentist and she doesn't know me either. And I was like, so, hey, um, I'm building this. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm talking That's like amazing. Random, yeah, random people. Um, and because like, they start talking to you like, oh, hey, who are you? What's your life about? Again, like you start with that relationship and then you can really say anything mm -hmm. and they're going to mm -hmm. be like, here's some feedback. Um, you know, a lot of college students we've discovered are, oh, that's cool. Um, but then when it, they don't actually want to save money. Um, some of them do. So that's hard because it's like some of them really do. Like I was a college student who definitely would save money and prepare. But if you think about even like the logic in the app, it's all based on rent and like how we call it housing. College mm -hmm. students either have their housing taken care of or they pay big sum amounts at the beginning of a semester. That's what I did. So like, okay, it's going to be $3,000 for you to stay here for this amount of time. You pay it all up front. Yeah, you don't pay yeah. on a month-to-month -month basis. So even that changes the logic. Like... I'm sure you know this, when you change your audience, your UX and UI has to change with it. Because building an app for a college student is very different almost than building an app for a millennial working adult. Yeah. So yeah. based on our based on our feedback, most of the people that are interested in this have have consistent jobs, have monthly housing, monthly subscriptions, monthly everything. Um, and they're in all different age ranges. Um what we noticed, but most of them are going to be that millennial Gen X um, type of type of person. So, yeah, it's it, it is still difficult, though. So it's a conversation we're constantly having is like, who really is our is our target and how do we hit them first rather than hitting the world at the same time? Because then that's inefficient and, you know, all that all that fun stuff. That, that's interesting. So you meet random people, let's say, at the dentist or at the baby shower yeah. um, and you start talking about 
who who you are, who they are, uh, what your life is like, thing. and and it's like, um, hey. <laughs> how do you um, how do you get to the um, to the real learnings you could get? For example, uh, do you really ask people for their financial behavior? How much do you spend for this, or how much, for that? or how often do you yeah. spend? When was the last time you spent something? Did you ask questions like that, or how do you how do you yeah. um, have this conversation? I never really script things. I'm really horrible about that. I should have like this really lovely, like consistent method with each person I go to, but it normally yeah. does not happen to be like that because I'm not a hyper consistent person. Um, but normally I'm measuring for two things because these are the two things that I think are really valuable is I'm measuring for enthusiasm mm -hmm. about the product because if you're excited about it, you'll tell your friends. And if you're excited about it, you'll download it faster. Um, and then I measure for is this is this something that you could see yourself using um, and how much, like, do you, do you spend monthly? Do you spend bi-weekly? Do you mm -hmm. or sorry, mm -hmm. get income at this rate and this time? And so talking to people, like some people do get paid monthly. A lot of people it's going to be bi-weekly. So yeah, okay, let's make sure we have a feature. We have, like, we're working with the API system that can bring in, make sure that we're measuring income on a bi-weekly basis, you know, rather than on a gig basis. A lot of the people we've spoken with have, have jobs. They're like, so, hey, do you work? Do you have, you know, what type of income do you get? Um, and so we're building it for somebody that has some type of consistent cash flow um, from from some type of employer. So mm -hmm. even like, because like, we're not, it's a little bit harder when, when you have a gig worker who's like, yeah, I just got paid two months ago um, and I'm still saving from that. And so we have to create a whole nother payment boundary for someone. Oh yeah, that's gig. totally different yeah. because you have to average well, out, yeah. And that's the, the audience issue. It's like, so wait, who are we targeting? Because if we're targeting to people that have gigs, that's a different app now. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. we're going to say, okay, so your gig jobs and how are you categorizing each job? And then when are you like, I, you'd have to even get a gig planning measure on the app to be like, when is your next job that you think you can get? And then we can have mm -hmm. to make sure your money works for you for over that period of time. If we know that somebody's getting paid in two weeks, we have to make sure their money works for them in that period of time. So it's like it's a different it's a different product. And so that's why like we're on average we see does like age is not a factor that matters on whether they're enthusiastic or interested. Um other but consistency of character or consistency of mm -hmm. job is important for them like that's something we've noticed and having something on like a monthly basis a lot of people are monthly people so yeah, yeah. that's one thing that we've noticed as a, as a trend um and it's and it, it again it's hard because we focused and this is something i would not suggest anybody else to do we focus so much on building up product and hey we need the product we need to get it out there we need to get out there I and mean, we could have spent a good bit more time in just more and more and more conversations um with as many people as possible um because when i look back i'm like a lot of my conversations were with more high net worth individuals um concerning investment and then their feedback or or people who were more tech fluent and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's kind of where our app has been been targeted to but then our goal is to take a step back you know, kind of do it like Zuckerberg did with like just targeting for schools and say, okay, how, wait, how can we retarget this for a wider audience? Or how can we retarget it for these people who seem interested and bring everybody into the fold? But I don't have, it's hard because I don't even have a clear, like, oh, it's exactly going to go this way. Like pretty much every tar audience that we've nailed down has been a shock to us like i didn't know those people are going to be interested but they are so it's, it's been a weird journey it's not been linear for sure yeah, interesting that that's um that sounds really like like learning because if something get, yeah. gets you by surprise then you know oh this is new for me i really have learned something yeah. here whereas when you say yeah okay i expected that so that that is not so much learning right but if you even yeah. say it shocked you it, it shows that it's uh, that learning is taking place and that's a very very good sign i think that's a lot of it it's learning Amazing. <laughs> constantly just us being like we don't know what we're doing what's going on <laughs> it's like everybody on twitter is like oh i know exactly what i'm doing and this is my mrr and we're doing all of this and we're like kind of this is exactly the strategy and i'm like 
nothing's exactly anything. Mm-mm. I <laughs> I either I'm feeling like this great. I think like what is it? Andrew Gazdecki posted something. He's like, you think you're gonna be like a billion dollar company, and then the next day you're like. I think I'm just going to die broken alone. And then the next day you're like, oh, it's going to be great. It's kind of like that. Absolutely. Roller I know that. <laughs> I'm a founder right? myself. It's, it's the same journey here. Yep. Every founder is figuring stuff out, right? That nobody has a, has the universal master plan. That's That doesn't exist. I wish. <laughs> no. Yeah, amazing. The, the reason why I'm asking uh, so much about about how you develop your audience and how how do you, how you have um, conversations with people is because I'm I'm working on on to make this problem easier for for founders. I'm I'm a founder myself. I created a product called Get the Audience. Mm-hmm. Um, get in the sense of understand, right? Not not increase your audience, but but get them, understand them. And um, I'm always interested how, for example, how disciplined founders are when when you say for example you're not that consistent person you're not following a certain methodology like jobs jobs to be done personas or something like that um that's very interesting for me um because i'm more the the uh, method person right i I was uh, a method consultant all my life and um so (laughs) i was so this this shows up in my app and i i always try to find out am i biased in my thinking so that for example a method in the app that guides you through the audience development process would be this would this be a good thing for people or does it does it annoy them right so that's Mm -hmm. why i'm asking so so much about these things i mean we've been actually that that's been the word of the week um has been but we call it processes um what processes or methods are we going to instill because i tend to be a very like enthusiastic person uh-huh. um and more on the side of an emotional founder than a logical founder i'd say uh-huh. um which is feel bad for them sometimes i'm like i'm sorry i'm just like crying <laughs> right now because it's not going the way i thought i was gonna go i'm like um but I have a lot of energy. So ten, my, my tendency is saying, I'm really passionate about this. I'm getting really good vibes from the situation. This is like a really, this is a good opportunity. These people we need to be reaching and I just know it. And then like our wait list will just like, you know? And so like that's, so a lot of it is just like, I get a good sense about this one, you know? And that's not, it's not a very good method. And so we've been talking about how can we instill methods that are consistent across the board? Because when I'm not here, you know, who's going to be taking care of acquiring more customers product. That's why like we've been integrating yeah, with other yeah. platforms that keep the method consistent. And that's like what we're going to be doing for sprig goes where it's like, okay, we're going to get constant, constant information regarding these set features. And we're going to go through a review, review process an assessment process, and then a completion process you know, we got click up for the entire team to try and keep this consistent. And so I'll be talking actually with my co-founder today about how can we consistently get audience feedback that's not biased because it's really mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. for us is we, t- my brother and I are, he's my co-founder. We're very, very enthusiastic people. We have a lot of inflections. We talk very clearly, but we're very excitable and we can easily get people excited about any. I mean, I sell people clothes and I don't even work at the store. Like that's like the kind of person (laughs) I am. And so is he. And so when you're working with people like that, you can get a lot of uh, hype feedback, um, which can be helpful because they can get excited and then they get excited for no reason and then they get their friends excited for no reason. Um, And that's, a really valuable part of our growth process of is just Josh and I being very uh, enthusiastic people and mm-hmm. excited about what we're mm-hmm. doing. But at the same time, like you said, we need that methodology. So what I think I'd love to see like in, in something like this is something that understands the fact that we're more so likely to talk to everybody we see about what we're doing and then keep that stored in our minds of like, this is how the app needs to be. And like, Taking, taking a more enthusiastic, crazy founder and putting them into a method. And how can you like? How can that flow? Like, how can you take those things out of their mind, um, and take it from just like getting people hyped about it to getting like absolutely true, real feedback? Because that's definitely, definitely been harder for me. Because most of the time, I'm focused on how are we investing, our decks, our financials 
do we have the equity disbursement what's our cap table looking like that's where my brain is like 70 to 80 percent of the time oh, so okay. getting so getting to a point where it's my i can delegate to a co-founder um where it's like hey can he's in charge of product and fit so it'd be like how, how can i delegate assistant to him mm -hmm. so that way he can start creating tables and sheets of all of our audience um feedback and personas um and who is this person likely and we really um at the start we really did start like that like the persona modeling of like who is this person mm -hmm. right we didn't write it down but we started forming that person in our minds and then we would talk to people and see if it would like clarify that or like not clear like disprove it and that's what i just told you of the the month-to-month -month consistent jobs yeah. working in a way people who are not happy where they are in life is normally the uh -huh. the persona um which is a lot of people uh, <laughs> amazingly and and unfortunately yeah. by the way right it's um yeah I think very much about the the situation of people today. So many are working in as in employment relationships, and I think the culture, not no, the culture is not yet shifting, but it will be shifting. I see a shift coming from employment culture to more um, side hustle, uh, self owned yeah. stuff, right? So people will but will redirect yeah. hopefully their energy towards self owned um, businesses. Uh, I see that coming, but it will be a big change for everyone because right now you teach children, yeah, you need to learn something, you need to get a job, you need to get employed, you need to work all your life. And I don't think uh, this will take us very much longer than now. Um, yeah, which is a massive change because if you start working with people who are doing gigs consistently and they're like, oh, I just had this job and said this job. And that's like, essentially like the fundamental of our system is how can we like scale with this growth and that's why all the percent like all the budget is percent based because you get a check and it's immediately categorized based on just that check mm -hmm. um we need to know like the consistency of it for processing essentials bills and things like that but for the most part it's like if you just randomly do a job for 200 dollars, it'll immediately be categorized like 20 percent to investments 10 percent to saving 30 percent to uh, food mm -hmm. or immediately from that deposit so we're like we want to accommodate the multifaceted individual because nobody's just one person and so oh that's a good that's a good understanding i have a big problem yeah. with all kinds of systems in the world not understanding me as multiple persons exactly. for example google is trying to to treat me as one person when i watch uh, youtube on apple tv Uh, it says, who is locked in? Hey, Matthias Bohlen. And I say, mm -hmm. which one of those Matthias Bohlen's is locked in here? Because I'm, I have I uh, have multiple Google accounts. Yeah. I, I can't bring this machine to understand that I'm more than one person. So this is already that's, a huge discovery. That's interesting, though, because I feel like that that even that even concept realization could become something more because I am realizing consistently that There's definitely apps where discovering market and discovering targets a lot easier because like everybody needs a search engine. Like anybody who's buying crypto, you need an easy way to buy crypto. It doesn't really matter yeah. who you are. You can be like 13 years old or 52. We don't really care. There isn't a specific market that you're hitting there. Yeah. But I think there's a certain place where it's like, especially because we have like such a specific service that we're offering, especially when it comes to personal finance of how can like, how can we collectively understand this person as a whole? Because yeah, yeah. you might see like, Oh, this is it. They have a consistent paycheck and they seem to be a logical person. And then out of nowhere, like they buy this crazy purchase and you're like, we weren't ex like our systems weren't expecting that. And how do you, how do you accommodate for people being multifaceted? And maybe there's a worker yeah. that's working 40 hours a week But then they also have random gig jobs that they're doing because they decide to start painting houses on. Like, you don't know. You know, nowadays, it's like behaviors are kind of erratic. And yeah, <laughs> definitely. Difficult. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing when you go into psychology. Uh, for example, there was a, a German um, um, uh, psychologist called uh, Carl Gustav Jung at the beginning of the of the 20th century. Uh, and mm -hmm. he spoke about um, there are uh, why people, there are what people, there are how people, and there are where else people, right? Yeah. The first ones are seeking for the sense of everything. How does that make sense? Is it is it um, 
Uh, does it bring me forward if I do that? Does it have a reason to do? The next one is the what person. I'm a, I'm a typical what person as an engineer. I'm, uh, what does that mean? What details do I need? Uh, and I create structures mm -hmm. with substructures and everything. So these are the what people. The next are the, the how people. They create to-do lists. Uh, how, do I, how do I do this? How do I do that? Point number one, point number two, and so on. And the last one are the visionaries. The where else people? Where else can I go? If I keep this doing this for, let's say, three years, where will I be? And so uh, they are focused into future. That's really interesting. That's interesting for psych psychology, for example, for a team, you need, um, if you only have the why people, then nothing will get started, right? They will be asking why, why, why? <laughs> and if you only have what people, they will dive into the details. They will spend hours on the details and nothing will get done. And if you're missing the how people, for example, the how people will say, hey, let's roll up our sleeves, let's do something. And the where else people, you also know that, uh, those ones, right? Yeah, no, I love, I mean, and what's, what's funny is I'm a very much a how person, um, mm -hmm. co-founders more on the what, uh, no, no, not what, uh, more, more on the what else ish uh -huh. and then the why, like, why is this being done? Um, and it's interesting. I thought I was more so, uh, a what person, um, and then I realized I'm definitely more on the how side because I'm like, well, how is this going to get done? Who's going to be doing it? Let's, like, like, yeah. like, how quickly can we make this happen? Like, our timelines, not what I want them to be like. And then very much lists, like lists of things to do. Yeah, um, right. And what that can take out is a methodology. And so I've been trying to teach myself like how to create structures, like processes where you're like every single time we receive data like this we act like this every single mm. time i receive mm. new for example like after this call i'm trying to create a new habit like i receive new information so about like i've been thinking a lot about like our audience and creating a methodology for our audience so now i'm going to put it in a specific place on our ClickUp dashboard for and assign it to josh every single time i have new information come in i have to have an action that coordinates with it or then it's ah. pointless mm -hmm. so i'm creating like new processes for myself but we realized like i'm more in this ceo how is this all going to get done and i was like i would kill for like a pm that was like a what person you know <laughs> like some, <laughs> you know of just right. somebody that's like this is exactly what's going to happen. And this is how it's going to like, this is like the, the, the details. And like you said, substructures. And I was like that, that's a, like that, that would be the dream. And those people are very hard to find because people take a lot of discipline and they have to think in a way that understands how people do work. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. those, if you know anybody, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to automate such a someone. Um, my app yeah. looks very much like me. So um, the, the app is trying I, to be an automated coach for audience building, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure it, uh, it, it will transport. This will, um, how do I say, my, my users will understand um, that this is the role of the application. Yeah, no, uh, I actually downloaded it and was um, playing around with it a little. And I was thinking about like, a lot of it's really, really like valuable as far as like the what's the actual job to be done, um, and then the processes. But I think like having like an on like onboarding process, like a hand holding thing of okay, like you did this on one slide, and then you go to the next slide, and it's like okay, now think about this, and you literally like walk them through like think about the person that your app helps the most like who does this and there's like even a picture of like somebody thinking so it's a really like friendly experience and you feel like you're being slowly coached through mm -hmm. the process mm -hmm. um because i think that would have really resounded well with me because it's definitely overwhelming and then like a process like um like on top of that where it's like okay so what's your like, what's your method of getting more information? And then whenever you have new information, is it supporting the claim of this is, does it su support the persona? Does it, does it support your hypothesis that this is the main person or does it not? And if it doesn't, where does that, like that, that's cause that's the, all the things I do in my brain, like every single yeah, day. Yeah. And sure you do it as well, but just being able to like find a, 
a stunning way to display it. Like that's our problem too. It's like, oh yeah, it's all in our mind. Like we know how to budget. Like this is how it yeah. works. Like how yeah. can you lead the user through that process? But like I think like hiring, like I don't know if you can if you, but like bringing like a UX designer, a UI UI designer to like cre- create like slides of bringing the user through a process unless you are one yourself and because i because it's definitely something that's a massive pain point for us and if we had a solution Mm -hmm. that was really simple and beautiful and clean i think we would definitely be interested in using it on our side interesting interesting yeah Yeah, that's a that's a challenge i'm not a ux specialist i'm not a ui specialist Mm -hmm. i'm more the back-end guy yeah yeah um, um so i'm i'm um, cheating kind of i'm uh, stealing uh, front-end ideas from from all kinds of apps on the market yeah so uh, to make it to make it uh, clear and and Mm -hmm. easily understandable yeah so um so you you were talking about sprint and clickup as two as two Mm -hmm. tools you're going to be using what's the role of those tools for you mainly yeah so Sprig is a tool that I just stumbled across and very excited about, and that's really going to be nailing down our audience. Not as much nailing down our audience specifically, but making sure that the current people who are using our app like what's going on. And so then we're going to create a system where you can kind of reference who, who really likes what's going on. Who really understands this? Because we've noticed that like some people, you could explain it to in the most clear way. You have the most stunning landing page. And like, I don't get it. Mm. Like, for example, yeah. do you know Pipe? Pipe, you get your um, recurring revenue as cash up front. That it got massive startup. Just, I think it's Harry Hurst is the founder. You just did like insanely well. And if you're not in our space, you still won't understand it. I've never seen a more gorgeous landing page. It's absolutely stunning. Um, but like, if you're, you know, my mom, for example, I was like, you don't, I was like showing her, I was like, you don't realize how revolutionary the site is. Like you can get recurring revenue upfront. You don't have to source investors. Like this is insane. And she's like, huh? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. And so, but it doesn't mean that pipe is a bad site. It's a phenomenal site. If you understand what it's doing, or if you're the target, yeah. and unfortunately, a lot of times we can take advice from people who aren't our target market. And so what Sprig is going to help us do is say, hey, how is the use and function of this website? Or what do you think about adding this feature? And then we can take those data points and hopefully like do some background on the user too. And I'm going to have my guys create like a like a quick like application of this. We don't have to audit, like do it ourselves. Um, but that way we can find out, okay, this person is a is a seven-year-old that stumbled across the site and they gave us this feedback. I don't think what they're saying is valuable seeing as they mm. don't have a job. That's like that's really important. But even so, like that could be more good getting out of it. Like you might even get good feedback because it's an outlier. Like a high school student used this and said they're absolutely loving it. Oh, high school students. Okay. Maybe we really should can we've considered expanding to schools in the past, maybe that should really be a priority for us going forward. If we have, you know, 20 high school students using it every day and they're giving us really solid feedback, you know, because that's we're still trying to figure yeah. out. Yeah, we're trying to figure out our audience at the beginning and figure out who's really, really resounding. Like we know, we think we know, but we don't really know until they're using it and there's engagement to measure. So I for also get the audience, I would check out using Sprig for feedback too on your site. You can get some really valuable um, information. And then ClickUp is a phenomenal project management US-based tool. And there's a lot of things like Trello or mm-hmm. Asana that you mm-hmm. use. Um, ClickUp is just so like, it's so granular and that's why I love it. Cause you can really get in there and you can be like, this is exactly what I need to happen. You can create dependencies. Like it, it understands like how a founder's brain works because you can create dependencies. Like I can't do this until this happens. So it puts a priority on the thing that needs to happen so you can get to the rest of the list. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it's been stretching my brain of like every, there's different spaces. So for example, like any startup has like a marketing space, product space, you have a, a design space, you have a, you know, uh, apps, like actual like development, like technical development. And even that has subspaces of like front end and then back end. And then, so one thing I noticed, if you try and keep this on a whiteboard or if you try and keep it in your head, you will forget certain parts of your strategy. 
like yeah. every yeah. single time. Yeah, and some balls I, could be dropped. Yeah, and that's the thing. But then people are like, "Oh yeah, so uh, do you do you have a marketing strategy?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of like upstairs somewhere." Um, but it's not written out, and it's not with a deadline. And I realize I'm never doing anything without a calendar in my life because someday is not a day on the calendar. Yeah, there is Monday through Sunday. There is no someday, and so we'd say like, someday. And so I've started correcting people. I'm like. Oh, this sounds like a good idea. When is it going to happen? And like, well, I don't know when I want it to be done. Like, so then choose a start, put it in the right category on ClickUp, choose a start date and start figuring it out then. And then I'll be checking up with you in a couple of days to see when you, if you've decided an end date yet for this project or, you know, cause like my brother's the visionary, where is this going and what's happening? And like, yeah. how are we going to change the world? But you know, and I'm just like, um, if you have an idea, that's great. You put it in the right place and then you set me as a watcher and then I'll look at it and see how the progress flows. But like without this, our company communication wasn't as strong because it was like, wait, I thought I told you to do that on Slack. Wait, I, you didn't do it yet? Oh no. Wait, uh, when is it happen? I see that, the problem. That stuff will screw up anything. Mm -hmm. And I just mm -hmm. got to a point where I was like, nope, we're not doing this anymore. And so now it's like you have an idea it has to go in the calendar. It has to be in ClickUp because if it's not there, it's not going to happen. It will drop off the back of the wagon when we're so focused on development or we're so focused on our API integrations right now or whatever yeah. the focus happens to be that week. Yeah. So very I, much. I can, I can totally relate to that. For example, I stopped podcasting about three months ago. Uh, I stopped mm. um, because it was too much work for me. And the reason was I didn't put it on the calendar. I, I was winging it somehow. And um, recently I, I met someone on Twitter who was who is good in asking questions. And he asked me, oh, so you want to return to podcasting? Yeah, I want to. What does that mean? Okay, I said, uh, how, what, what, what do you mean by what does that mean? Yeah, what, what would you have to do? Okay, I broke it down into I have to record. The, uh, no, I have to find people to interview. I, I, then I want to record it. Then I want to edit it. Then I want to transcribe it or have it transcribed. And then I want to publish it. Okay, so what does mean, this mean exactly? Okay, I broke it one level more down. And then he said, how much time does that take? Okay, one hour for that, two hours for that, and so on. Okay, are you... What was this the sensational question then? Are you willing to spend that time? Mm. And I said, okay, I have to think about that. And after a while I said, yes. And he said, okay, send, then put it on your calendar. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's so easy. If you want to do something, break it down in what it really means and estimate it and put it on your calendar. You have to, and it has to be like specific days. And then, then eventually it will become this habit routine kind of thing. And, you know, here we are sitting having a podcast and it's yeah. actual, I, just, I mean, very few people take time to do this. This is why people are so, this is why we have a massive debt problem in America because you don't want to think, can I realistically spend on this? Can I, is this a realistic yeah. issue? Wait, can I eat this right now? Is, is I over, we don't, we don't segment things. We don't think about what we're doing. We just do things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we can't be consistent with the things that we do. For example, like I wanted to start a podcast. So I did. And I was like, oh, I'm just, my my method isn't going to be I get inspired to do one. And then I talk about something I'm interested in. And then I use the anchor to, and then I upload it on Spotify. Bam, we're done. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who hasn't recorded a podcast, <laughs> you know? And so it's like so this would take me about like 30 minutes once a week to really like create like a little list of things I'm going to talk about. I talk about a lot of like crazy things or like philosophy, what's going on in the world, media, like founder stuff, whatever. So I'm like, okay, well then as soon as you release it, you have to post to three different, you know, social sites or whatever. And so, but it's not in my calendar. It's not like I'm looking at my Google calendar and it says, okay, Saturday from nine to 12, you're going to be working on your podcast. Yeah. So it's not going to happen because there are too many other things going on in life. And so the fact that you've been able to like make it happen, I mean, that's a massive feat. Yeah, I put, I actually put it on um, Mondays and Fridays, I, I think two and three hours. Uh, so five hours a week and uh, publishing one episode every two weeks. Um, and awesome. this, I, I should get into a kind of rhythm. Uh, like that. Yeah. I, I got some help with transcribing. For example, there are uh, AI tools that, that uh, uh, like Descript or like um, Otter. 
um, mm. but the, I, I'm not I'm not uh, satisfied with what I get from those tools because they they insert all kinds of punctuation and it's, <laughs> sometimes they misunderstand the words and yeah. um, so I decided to to hire a freelancer from Fiverr um, to do okay. that for me and they do it perfectly so I'm very happy with that uh, outsourcing things that awesome. I, I don't like yeah it works no that's incredible I mean that's that's the first step to changing the world is uh, putting things on your calendar so yeah <laughs> it's amazing it's, it's so simple right you don't even yeah it's it's amazing that that it's like that yeah so I've got one question one final question when when you imagine your audience now you're slowly getting into it you're learning people you're you're uh, having conversations you have this wait list where people are where you can email them for example what will you do to uh, regularly develop your audience further to, to kind of um, not get more not necessarily get more people but get more in like into a flow with with the, with your audience that's a really good question. Um, honestly, it's, I don't think I have a specifically hashed out calendar ready plan for it, but I think where one thing that I'm, I want to institute is having a number of people that I decide to speak to that I feel, and I, I see maybe they're, they're current users of my app, or maybe mm -hmm. they're people we've sourced online that seem to have similar characteristics to what we what we think is our user and then just choosing a number and saying I want to ask them these bulleted questions and put it into a database based on this thing so specifically reaching out on a weekly basis and saying we're going to get more data about our user and what they really value the hard the really hard part with us right now is as you said Oh yeah, oh my God, I love what that, that's really cool, you know? So I, I use I use stuff like this all, I would use your app all the time, you know? Like I would, yeah. I would, I would. Until, to be to be honest, like the best, I, I'd say the best use, use of our time would be analyzing the people that are on the app, that have made that decision, that have already mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. made that jump. And getting more people on our app gives us a better idea. And then we can choose those. Okay, we're going to choose five random people on our app. And we're get, like, one thing method, we give people swally points for when they, they spend better. And so saying, hey, we'll give you a swally point bump. Because, like, we're going to make it into this gameplay feature because my CTO yeah. is a designer. Um, whenever you answer these questions. So you say, how many people can I, you know, choose five people and say, you've been selected to for a 10 point bonus just answer these three questions oh interesting yeah you know, something like that and so then uh -huh. like every single week we're getting three five fifteen twenty how many we decide data points of why are you using this app what pain point does this really apply you to because mm -hmm. just interviewing hypothetical people you get hypothetical answers All right and that's what we have right now we built that based on yes, I would be very interested. I would love to use that, which is all you really have because you don't have something real. And then you have an MVP and people look at it and I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. But I'm like, you're still not using it on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. So it's like now we have to just talk to our real people on our real wait list and having that like you've been selected or you're special and you get to and like copy like that being thrown at somebody it increases the chance of them actually responding to to a especially if the questions are powered with Sprague and it's like one to five do you like being rewarded for or do you do you like one thing we're concerned about is um having like a red x next to uh their transaction if they did a bad job is that too intense for them uh -huh. do they okay. like that type level of accountability because i i do i'm like yeah, i want to know i failed like i'm like i'd like to know so i can grow but does everybody feel like that so we start talking to a couple of people about let's say five people maybe and they're like oh i really like that idea i really like this one person was like i don't know i'd have to use it to find out hmm. so then okay. that can be a sprig feature do you like this feature yes no if not how would you change it bam now you get five swally points that are free for us to give out um, but they feel like they're getting something and we definitely are getting something mm -hmm. and they can redeem the swally points at stores anyways. So they are getting something. 
So interesting. The the yeah. wording I, I find it very attractive because uh, it makes you proud, right? If you if you have been selected to do something or to 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 get something, then it's, it makes you proud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like your your character. And we wanted to a point where we have like an avatar and like yeah. a Swally house and everything where like the more the better you do financially, your Swally house grows and stuff. And you oh, build nice. Yeah, like we really want this to be like super fun. And like that's where I get I like I'm a I'm a design background kind of person. I'm like, this is going to be fun. And like, let's bring How can we bring in like behavior psychology? And like, that's where I get stoked but we're not there yet but that's the whole point is like being like you've been selected you have a duty to carry out and then you get rewarded for carrying out your duty which is actually the if you go on a philosophical level that's the whole basis of of stoicism is mm -hmm. i have a duty mm -hmm. to carry out and then when you fulfill the duty you have deep human satisfaction in yourself and other people normally have satisfaction when it, they come to perceiving you so that's kind of the that's kind of the whole point of our app is giving duty and then rewarding it. And it's almost like a stoic level. Amazing. I don't normally get like philosophical talking about tech, but I think it's super important because Twitter, Instagram, a lot of these things can take away the sense of duty. It just, it actually just eliminates all duty together. And it says that it's stating that happiness can be found in satisfaction. And it's almost like this utilitarian cult of we can all be happy all the time. Um, but in, in utilitarianism, of of this mutual happiness somebody has to die um and then i'm getting like way too deep but it's like some somebody has to feel bad no one can always be feeling happy all the time it's just unrealistic and it's not possible so then somebody has to be feeling horrible um and so that's why i that's why i hate social media so much and i use it but i genuinely hate it because we're all trying to project how happy we are. That's why Twitter is better yeah, because there's a lot of people yeah. that are honest about their sadness and therefore other people can take joy in the catharsis of realizing their own sadness versus Instagram, which is everybody's projecting their happiness constantly. And so somebody has to feel bad at the, yeah, it's a little zero sum, but I mean, like, it's just the way, it's the way I think about. Interesting. We, we, yeah. we should make another podcast only on philosophical <laughs> aspects yeah, of stoicism and so on, because I'm very much into this. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, that's like where I really like, that's where I wanted to do my master's. Like, that's my real love is like behavioral psychology, yeah. technological abuse. Like, that's, that's what I love. But you know, here I am making an app so, <laughs> to try and change the world one human at a time. <laughs> so, so cool. I see we need to stop here. Yeah. There can't be anything beyond that. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Thank you, Nesha. It has been a blast. Yeah. Today it was fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Audience Explorer podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at GetTheAudience. And you can check out the blog at gettheaudience.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out to me on Twitter or send an email to matthias at gettheaudience.com. If you want to support this podcast, please leave a rating in your favorite podcast player app. This will help other founders or creators to find this podcast about developing an audience for their product or service. Thank you very much for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.